Sri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Sri Sri Krishna Arjuna ki jai. Sri Mad Bhagavad Gita ki jai. Gaur Premanandi. Guru. So, good evening everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Today we're going to speak from Bhagavad Gita in the section of the text where something uh, along the lines of the Thanksgiving holiday uh, is uh, described. I guess it's not really overtly a religious holiday, um, but um, nonetheless, it was originally a, uh, a exchanging of uh, bounty collected by uh, different uh, different sects and a mutual uh, appreciation, I guess, of one another and of the bounty itself that uh, that was apparently plentiful that year. So some basic kind of uh, gratitude that indicates a sense that there's something, um, a factor beyond our effort. Otherwise, what's the need for thanks? Hmm? We made our efforts and we're thankful for the, uh, for the bounty. It's kind of the ideas as I understand it. So in the Gita, this is um, not something that is very prominent. The Gita is very much um, meant to take us to self-realization and God-realization. And, and when Arjuna does speak about Dharma at first, the uh, kind of religious orientation, which is a living with gratitude and appreciation of the daiva and the train of the godly factor in life. Krishna readily dismisses it, uh, not to dismiss that in itself altogether, but in order to take him to a higher level of inquiry hmm? and uh, spiritual possibility and experience. Nonetheless, it does uh, come up. It comes up here, perhaps in the most prominent way, in the third chapter. The third chapter begins, as you know, with Arjun questioning the difference between action and knowledge and which is better, Krishna has spoken about uh, both. And Krishna emphasizes that uh, the uh, path of knowledge is really treaded by one who has passed through the path of action that is filled with a sense of sacrifice, action in which the fruits of one's work are uh, sacrificed, so centered on action, centered on on sacrifice, brings an ingress of mystic uh, knowledge, and so therefore he stressed the path of action as an, an, an easier path or a path that um, requires less eligibility, and um, it's hard to it's a path that it's hard to. I would imitate or be a pretender upon the, the path of knowledge. It's, would be, it's, it has a greater possibility of being a, a pretender, a false meditator, a, a charlatan, and so forth. But a hard worker who works 
is visible in the world and sacrifices the fruits of his work as as easy to uh, appreciate and it's hard for that person to, to deceive others if he's visibly giving the fruits of his work beyond, of course, what he or she may need to basically maintain themselves. So that is nonetheless short of, of the full idea of bhakti, obviously. One thing is to do one's work and offer the fruits uh, to, to God. Another thing is to do God's work or to do God's play, I guess you could say context of uh, speaking of Krishna hearing and chanting uh, is not uh, not a lot of work uh, in one sense as much as it's scrubbing the heart though then <laughs> it is a lot of work but uh, bhakti then angas limbs of bhakti unto themselves have spiritual power work unto itself does not have the same kind of power but if the work is done in such a way that the fruits are sacrificed it starts to bring us in the direction of what we're really all about. So, sacrifice has been emphasized and the path of knowledge has been played down a little bit and Arjuna is encouraged to take up the path of selfless action. But that in itself is not an easy task. So sensing, we could say, Arjuna's hesitation there, am I even qualified for that? Such That's a, that's a high thing. Krishna shifts gears and goes one one step lower. Hmm? From nishkam karma to sakam karma. Nishkam means that without the desire for the fruits of one's work. Hmm? And sakam means with a desire to, to get the fruits. Hmm? Uh, so that's, on a, that's a, on, a, on a lower level and it, it, it moves us from a spiritually experiential level or possibility hmm? in the path of Nishkam Karma Yoga to more of a religious life where we can't hope for too much um, uh, real spiritual experience. It's not about that much about the self. It's more about things. Hmm? And so there's a place for that. Um, And therefore... Krishna says here, Saha yogya praja shrishta puruvacha prajapati anena prashavishyadpam esha vostu ishta kamaduk. So he says that in the beginning, some time ago, hmm, puruvacha, previously the, the, the progenitor, either Vishnu or his agent, Brahma, who derives his power, as it's described, of creation from Vishnu or Krishna, told the humanity, that's the idea here, that that I've uh, manifest humanity, and along with humanity, I've manifest sacrifice. And by this sacrifice, then um, you'll be happy. All your desires will be fulfilled. He says, uh, Ishta Kamaduk. Kamaduk means a cow of, of plenty, the, the proverbial wish-fulfilling cow, Kamdenu, same idea, the cow from whose udder you can milk out anything. Hmm? 
It's a nice idea. Cows are, of course, givers by and large um, in comparison to the extent that they take. A little bit of grass, and it doesn't take take much to grow grass. You don't have to pay much attention to that. It grows often without paying any attention to it. And if the cows are able to eat the grass, then they give such a precious and valuable commodity, milk, from which so many things can be made as well, um, which is nutritious and uh, delicious and and, uh, in many respects the perfect food for human society. Uh, so, this picture of the cow repeatedly comes up in in the texts, and of course, Krishna is a cow herder, surrounded by cows, and so on and so forth. And it more or less, among other things, means to us that that um, he's surrounded by givers, and we should become a giver and join the herd, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We should become a giver. And if we wonder, well, if I give only, and not only what I have, but myself, not only the things that I've attached to myself, which has created a certain identity of myself, I give my those things and myself and unravel my real self from that false identity. If I do that, well, who will take care of me? So the answer, of course, is Gopal. That is Krishna's other name. It means who protects the cows, who protects the givers, the pal, the protector of the cows. Hmm. So, I'll give the example here of the cow is 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 again brought up, and uh, it's basically the text is basically saying sacrifice is a cow of plenty, is a kamadenu, and this of course is kind of defies logic. It speaks about the the mysterious nature of life and how it works in a in a transrational way. For as much as we would think that by giving away we would reason we would have less, the fact of the matter is when we give and to the extent that we do, we actually get. The getting, of course, is somewhat invisible, but it's tangible for the giver nonetheless. When I give, I can't hold up a sign or the commodity that I got in exchange, but but I become a more full person, hmm? and that's apparent uh, to others. So this whole section here, there's seven verses starting with this verse that speak about sakama, um, orientation to action, an orientation to action for enjoying the fruits of one's work within some some uh, reason. Um, and how even that, to be successful in that path, sacrifice has to be factored in. So there's a kind of a, uh, I want to say it's, it's, it may sound, this section may sound a little magical, like, oh, people were sinful, God is mad, therefore there's an earthquake. Hmm? Or they make these, sometimes they make these simple kind of calculations New Orleans, there was a lot of uh, gay people, and, and therefore there was the, you know, what was it, a tidal wave or something, a hurricane or something like that. Um, these things don't go too far with uh, thinking people. Um, and they're very uh, simplistic, and who can 
who can who can really put their finger on and say why anything happened. There there may be some truth, not not that homosexuality is whatever they think it is necessarily, but uh, I just use that as an example. Um, uh, But the fact is, what's being described in this section is not some kind of uh, mythological idea of you hocus-pocus, make some unintelligible uh, type of uh, uh, ritual to modern society, unintelligible, and you're going to get something. Uh, material from it that's tangible, and we can, um, and uh, uh, by by sacrifice, rain will come, and so forth. Well, over in China, they're trying to seed the clouds <laughs> and bring rain in, in another way, and so forth. So, yeah, this is not to be kind of played out as much in a literal sense, but as as it is to, we are to look at the principle here involved, and it comes very strongly in the very first verse of the seven-verse section. And that is this, what? The, the operative word here is yogya, sacrifice. In yogya vai Vishnu. Yogya, sacrifice, is another name for Vishnu. So the, the principle is then that by sacrificing, by giving, we grow. By giving, we live. Life proceeds goes forward, it, it progresses in a meaningful and substantial way by giving. And that is a little mysterious, again, as I say, because it would appear on the surface that by, by taking, I would, I would grow, I would have more. And the more I give, the less I have, and so forth. But the fact of the matter is, and everybody has experience of it on some level, the giving is actually uh, the more. Hmm? Uh, the more the self is involved in taking and exploitation, the more it contracts and recedes to the background. And matter then takes takes precedence, so to speak. And the more I become a giver, and the more matter recedes. Here it said, in the, I gave, I created, basically said, I created humanity along with sacrifice. He's saying, Humanity and sacrifice, these things go together. Without sacrifice, humanity is a pashu, a group of two-legged uh, pashus, anim- animals, beasts only, dangerous, as they are with a little bit of intelligence that the, the beast in the forest doesn't have. But just uh, as beastly, uh, if not more, with the aid of intelligence, can do uh, more harm. Hmm? So sacrifice defines then humanity. It's interesting that the cow is brought up here, uh, and it's talking about the kind of the beginning of what means what's what's humanity, the human species along with sacrifice and the 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 uh, um, example of the cow as the giver is 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 invoked. I saw a film several years back documentary on cows and it was quite well done some of you may have seen it and it brought up a real a real question as to what happened first did the humans domesticate the cows or did the cows domesticate the humans did the cows in conjunction with humanity change the course of of humanity from 
let's say, hunting and gathering to an uh, agricultural type of orientation. Hmm? Um, so there is something called a domestic animal. Hmm? And uh, <laughs> it's kind of in between, <laughs> right? It's kind of part human. <laughs> and uh, it, it, they're comfortable amongst the humans. Hmm? And it could be even said, as opposed to uh, Peter's take on things, they could thrive in conjunction with human society, certain animals, uh, to be, if they're tre- treated the right way and so forth. Hmm? And, uh, and the cows is, is probably the best example. Hmm? The better they're taken care of, the, the more they give, the more milk they, they produce. Here, you know, in the ordinary dairy scene here in California, the uh, average life of a cow is only six years, five, six years. And the normal life of a cow is 20 years. So they're not that well taken care of. That's just one example, of course. And, this, and, and, and they're, of course, as soon as they're, uh, they're, they're they get them pregnant every year. And, and um, here our cows are producing as they're in their second year of lactation. And still producing abundantly, almost as much as they were in the first year of lactation. Our calculation is that they can easily lactate for four years, with a slight diminishing each year. And um, this is all very interesting with regard to trying to create a sustainable herd. Hmm? How many acres of grass you need to to have uh, four cows milking? I think it comes out to only about. 20 or 30 acres if you let the lactation go over a number of years. So at any rate, the cow is, is invoked here with regard to uh, sacrifice and humanity. They kind of, uh, that meeting between the wild and the tame, something like that. Humanity is the opportunity for us to become tame, actually. It's, I like to think of it like souls, atmas on, on probation. The, the body is the sentence and the duration of the life in that particular body per the karma is the cell. So in the less complex forms of life, the, the, the cell is fairly in, intimidating. There's not um, uh, any opportunity to, to come out and like say amongst some prisoners who get the keys and can work in the prison and and they're starting to take some responsibility. They can have a, a responsible role uh, within the prison system. Hmm? They can be trusted a little bit. That means they're starting to come out. They may still be behind the bars and locked up, but they're starting to, think, to conduct themselves in a way that those who are free from incarceration do or are supposed to. So human life is something like that, like, Getting some some freedom within the within the prison, an office job or something, or beyond that to be let out and be on probation, and you have a chance then to make good, or you can find yourself further back uh, into the prison. Human life is that form of life where karma is created rather than merely played out. Why? Because as much as this karma is portrayed or often understood, I should say misunderstood in, in Western society as fatalistic and deterministic and um, um, 
a, uh, uh, constituting an absence of free will and individuality and so forth, uh, free choice that is so uh, much, uh, it's much promoted in the West, individuality in, in, in particular, my own choice, and it's thought that the more choices we have, the freer we'll be, uh, the happier we'll be, which is hardly the truth. But, uh, but no, it, it, actually, there's, there, we have a compatibilist kind of approach to the arguments of free will versus determinism. There's a determinism overriding. Nothing moves without the will of God, but within the context of that, we have some will. So Krishna would like us to, to like to serve him, something like that. <laughs> um, so we can change our destiny to one extent or another, as minimal as it, as it may be, depending on the extent to which we are actually identified with matter, is the extent to which we become, our life becomes more determined. As I said, in the less complex forms of life, that life is determined. That's a product of some exercise of free choice in human life. Hmm? That has to be played out. Then human life comes. Again, there's some choice and opportunity to progress. So human life is a great, great um, opportunity. The, the, the will that we are, if you will, a unit of, is starting to come to the surface. We can make some choices. I like to say we can do something voluntarily. That means we can, we can love. It means we can give. We can say please. We can say thank you. So thanksgiving. We can say thank you. We can show some appreciation. We can say you first. We can acknowledge that that the bounty of life, that what I need in order to maintain myself materially and, and, and have a happy material life, um, there's, uh, there's another factor that has to be acknowledged. I'm dependent upon that. I should act in such a way that that dive into training, that godly factor will, will be... Um, pleased. And it simply means that I work, in a sense, according to the system, that I will work as a human being to become a giver. If human, be human life gives us the chance to give, to, to sacrifice, to, uh, to, to voluntarily do something, that should be honed, that should be cultivated. Hmm? To give, loving is about giving, so to become a lover, this is what uh, human life is. And we are somewhere in between being a lover and a being a taker. And the lesser complex forms of life, the selves embodied there, are all on the take by the force of the circumstances, circumstances that are arrived at by uh, our exercise of will in the human form of life. Now, of course, as a caveat here, it should be mentioned that, that bhakti is such that you haven't got to worry about going backwards. Sometimes it's thought that People always go forward, but that, uh, that um, is not the doctrine of, of, of the Gita or the sacred text of the, of the Hindus. But with regard to transmigration or, or reincarnation, everybody's not always going forward. But in bhakti, as we've been discussing from Bhagavatam, there's always going forward. You may go forward at a slower pace <laughs> or you may go forward at a faster pace, depending upon how you apply yourself. Hmm? Um, but the gain, the progress, is relevant to the self. It's not merely an uncovering of the self. It's not merely dealing with the material situation. It's actually some ingress into the self. Hmm? 
as I said last night, it's it's the granting of of, of a visa. Now, how when you, when you'll act on that? To what extent? That's that's another thing. Then you have uh, some some effort, some choice, some onus is turned on you. So here. Anyway, with regard, Krishna wants to say that this idea of sacrifice pervades. This is what makes us human. Even if you want to go to the to the sakama life, a life of taking, um, rather than foregoing the taking wisely and seeing that uh, really what we acquire is nothing that we can keep, and so it's problematic. That requires a little more thinking. <laughs> And most people are not uh, not um, in the beginning of their human life not uh, preoccupied with that. That comes a little later. But even the taking, he wants to say here, mm-hmm. to do it right, and to take in such a way that that your taking will even be progressive, mm-hmm. that you'll be able to um, um, take with the least repercussions. In other words, it's a good karma kind of a formula that's being talked about here. That's, relatively speaking, it's better than the bad karma. For you, you make your life, if you want a happy life of acquisition and so forth, well, here's the way to go about it. There is a chance in all of that that devotees may may tend to approach pious people more readily than the impious, but there are examples to the contrary, of course. Nityananda Prabhu was probably the most famous example, the other self, and dear associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who reasoned, let me go to the, to the most uh, downtrodden sections of society from the point of view, view of piety, and let me engage them in Gauranga Mahaprabhu's service, because then people will know that he's... Patitapavan, he's the deliverer of, uh, of everyone. And so there's an indiscriminate kind of distribution of bhakti, but still, um, sometimes the devotees will make some strategy and they'll, they'll, they'll think, well, he looks like a pious person, let me approach him, something like that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but it has its place. Hmm? And, and so this thanksgiving is kind of a, of a gratefulness in a very kind of general sense. It's this kind of acknowledgement that uh, we're not entirely on our own here. We're, we're really dependent entities. And it doesn't take a lot to, to, uh, to figure that out. So, I mean, we may, be, we, we may have progressed apparently in some ways in human society in terms of harnessing nature and um, gathering fruits and so forth, but it wouldn't take much for nature to flex herself and um, and all that would be lost <laughs> um, in, in a moment. So we're very, very far from the, the idea of harnessing nature. And the more we look into nature, the, uh, scientifically, I mean to say, the bigger it is, isn't it? It used to be there was one galaxy until they put the Hubble telescope and they found that 500,000 galaxies. The world just got a little bit bigger <laughs> and thereby arguably a little harder to harness. After all, now we've just found, or somebody just found, uh, and it's been a verified experiment that there are things that move faster than the speed of light. So what do we do now? <laughs> I don't know what that means per se, uh, but it has troubled some, some people who have thought about it. I don't know if they're not going to take the Nobel Prize away from Einstein, but uh, his brain is on display somewhere, I read recently. <laughs> 
but how big of a brain you may have, and he had a big one and, and, and a good one, um, whether it's, it's even possible at the time there was nothing faster than the speed of life, and now something new has come along that is. It's, it's a growing kind of uh, fair, hard to keep up with. Hmm? Um, so this, uh, the intelligence, you know, it comes with human life, and it's, it's very close to the self compared to the senses, compared to the, the even, even, even the mind. Intellect, we would consider a more subtle thing. It's, it's closer to the self being a more subtle form of matter. If I say to you, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're fat, you may go, so what, anyway, whatever. But if I say you're stupid, then you, you might really get upset. Uh, some people t- tend to identify more intensely with their intellectual capacity. It's, it's kind of myself, my intellectual self, how I've thought of myself and so forth. And so um, it comes with human life and it, uh, it has to be, uh, it's tricky to, to, to harness that and so forth. And this is what's being talked about here, how to use your head to soften your heart. Hmm? And we can see where the modern society and Western philosophy is taking us so far away from this, dismissing really in substance, in essence, the heart of what's being talked about here. Hmm? Um, largely because of its, that's hard, that heart is hard to really to grasp and understand because we're coming out of animal life. We're coming from that, that lower side, from the wild side. We're not quite tame. We're kind of tame, but we can again, use our human life to be a very big and dangerous uh, uh, beast. The call of the wild, the call of the mind and the senses are there. They're pressing on us. So um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit difficult then to uh, harness the human life. And this is speaking about something that's really beyond, uh, beyond taming us even. Hmm? It's really interesting because it speaks about what we really sense love is about, some kind of like just spontaneous freedom and no rules and so forth. It's kind of like the wild. Hmm? (laughs) Somewhere in between is this harnessing and that's required in order for the self to come out of that wildlife, if you will, can actually be experienced. That's why, in a sense, we also have, we can say, for two reasons, we have an attraction to the wild, the wild animal. We have attraction. You could say, yeah, because you were there once, and you haven't gone too far yet, <laughs> and so therefore you're still attracted to it. But the other way to look at that is because it represents, in a way, the, the, the possibilities of the self. That kind of freedom. Nothing can catch it. Hmm? You can only get so close, and it's gone. It's unto itself. The deer just bounds across beautifully. I mean, he's struggling, obviously, but it appears. To human society, that the wild is, is 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 free in a way that it's really not in a, free in a way that the self is, and can experience as it comes out from underneath the the the, the, the wildness of the taking, or or, uh, or the 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 the, uh, the exploitive uh, nature of material uh, existence as a result of identifying with matter and and so on. So. So it's hard to to grasp this idea of, of sacrifice. It's uh, and and here, it, of course, the Buddha wants to take this 
principle to to the fullest um, measure. This is where uh, Krishna Leela, we end up in Krishna Leela if we take this principle and apply it uh, fully. And everyone, it's a universally, I guess, acknowledged principle. Hmm? I've often said that, the, you know, the, you know, if they rob the bank, the thieves say, let's divide it honestly here. There's some sacrificing going on, right? Um, but um, but the idea is, is it, it's very contrary, in a sense, as I, what I'm saying is to the, where we've come from, which is still with us, this exploiting, this taking tendency. So it's, it's uh, we dance around it, we acknowledge it, we, we do it in the context of taking, we sacrifice in the context of taking, philanthropy, philanthropically, altruistically, we, we find ways to make it look like we're giving fully, hmm? but uh, still holding on to uh, a sense of self that in order to maintain requires exploitation. Hmm? So then you have your religious people who say they identify with this, and they're all for it, but they don't understand it often either. And they turn it into, like I said earlier, some kind of a magic potion and so forth, and they close your eyes and... A, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a believe in a non-thinking kind of a uh, uh, ritual, or uh, of course rituals are done well without thinking sometimes. But uh, we are to be mindful also. We are to stop the mind, and that's probably the height of um, mindfulness. Stop it from wandering. It doesn't mean to stop thinking. <laughs> to be mindful uh, rather than mindless. Hmm? So. Uh, it's so, so there's a huge misrepresentation of the idea of sacrificing and giving that's at the heart of all the sacred texts, which is, again, that by which we grow, which is the secret of life. And so um, uh, we, we, we haven't progressed so much in, as, as human beings over the centuries in terms of this um, giving. Saints are rare, hmm? and they may be more rare as time goes on and people say, well, where are the saints now? If there were so many before, where are the mystics now? And so forth. So, um, of course, with that frame of mind, I, 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 I think that uh, they would uh, dismiss the mystics if they met them. And they are there and so forth. They're the quieter section, usually, or either by nature, or if they try to speak, there's a little, very little audience. So... <laughs> so they don't get you know the, the big uh, center stage in the tent usually, hmm? but um, the point here that Krishna wants to make and emphasize, and he's done it very very nicely by way of coming off of Nishkam Karma Karma Yoga, which is a very pretty intense uh, life. It's a yogic life rather than a religious life. It's a spiritual experiential life. So there's sadhana. There's a um, uh, uh, there's a, a watching of every action and looking at the fruit and, and uh, consciously detaching oneself and ideally offering the fruit to, to Bhagavan. That kind of Nishkam Karma Yoga, incidentally, will, it is, a, it is, a, it is kind of a lower limb of bhakti. Hmm? Um, that one can bring one to, uh, to bhakti proper. There's some bhakti factored in there. Um, here it comes, becomes more remote. Uh, Vishnu says, I give the system, I give humanity along with sacrifice. I said, 
be happy with this sacrifice. This sacrifice is like a cow of plenty. You'll get everything you want from that. Hmm? Um, but nonetheless, sacrifice is the central uh, point here. Hmm? Human life moves progressively by sacrifice. And hopefully the idea is that uh, as someone understands this, lives in the world with really with thanksgiving, giving thanks at every moment hmm? it comes to, not just one day a year, but grateful that the idea, uh, it, it brings us um, uh, into awareness of our dependent nature. And so there's a thankfulness to the sun, there's a thankfulness to the, to the um, rain, for example, without rain, without sun, we don't get food. This section in these seven verses, is, there's, an, there's an emphasis on food. This is very, very basic. We all eat. It says we are what we eat. We have to eat to live. That's kind of the bottom line. How to tie that such an essential thing that we can't live without thing hmm, into understanding the self. Here it will be mentioned that food should not be eaten without acknowledging, basically without acknowledging where it comes from. Hmm? That it's not just your hard labor, that you're dependent on rain, on sun. And there are gods that are posited for the sun, for the rain, which is a way of saying, basically there's consciousness behind nature. Hmm? There's a system to it, there's a purpose to it. Hmm? And, and this is the language that that consciousness behind nature speaks. It speaks the language of sacrifice. In other words, it speaks the language of love, <clears throat> of giving. That's the language of that side. The other side, beyond animality, beyond our humanity. Here we can speak, hopefully, the language of reason. And if we reason well, then we, should, we know the place of the head, that it's not the whole. But it's not, you know, the, the brain can die, but the heart can continue on, to use an example. So, again, we should use the head to soften the heart. The heart is hard. It's a taker. It has to be softened. Hmm? By giving, it's, it, it becomes softened. We, and we start, this giving is a language. It's a way of inter, inter communicating. How to commune with that agency behind nature that makes the whole thing possible, that puts it all together, that, 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 uh, uh, that if we have the eyes to see, it, it is just full of meaning and purpose and intelligence and, and so forth. How to communicate with that? What language does that speak? Hmm? And he said, this is the language of sacrifice. And, and then in the section, as they say, we'll, he'll go to food. How do you tie your food? You know, they said in English, said in common English parlance, well, you are what you eat. Hmm? So how to eat in such a way that by eating, we will start to, to, we'll be learning through our eating such a basic activity and all the basic activities of human life, how to speak the language of, the, of our source and bridge the gap now between ourself and our source, how to meet our maker. This is the idea. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's 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 uh, to posit as they do, you know, in Hinduism they got what are thirty-three million gods and, and goddesses. It's a bit of a headache for the Christians, or it's a definite proof that, uh, that we're 
we got it wrong, something like that. But it's 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 rather a, a beautiful uh, way of um, um, acknowledging on every level, on the level that we may be attentive to, of our immediate needs. That there is a conscious source, there's a diabinatrina, there's a godly factor with regard to the sun, with regard to the water, with regard to the, the food we eat, and so on and so forth. And so the, in this karma marg here, this sakam kama uh, ideal, then there's all types of sacrifices for everything. Everything is permeated by some type of sacrifice that's just meant to be acknowledged, acknowledged. Uh, this God, that God, this power of nature, and so forth. So it's a very um, much uh, a, a path that does bring us in touch with nature and appreciating nature. It's, it's, it's interesting that in Vedanta, the idea that the self is, um, you know, I want to say, different from matter, a kind of idea of in Western philosophy of Descartes, that distinguished human society from animal society, from nature, um, because of self-consciousness. We may have consciousness in less complex forms of life, but the self-consciousness that I am and I think about it and so forth, this manifests in human form of life primarily. Hmm? The closer we get on the scale towards humanity, the more we start to see something like that. Some, so this, our idea of the self is coming out. Hmm? Um, the complexity of the form of life uh, um, conforms with the evolving or the movement of the self of the atma towards itself, hmm? which is the most complex thing. Hmm? Consciousness, the subjective. I mean, how complex is matter? We talked about it briefly, and it's pretty complex, but but it's nothing. The objective world, if we're, it, it appears that we can get a grip on the objective world. Because it's so less complex than the subjective side of life, consciousness. <laughs> Just forget it. You can never... The, 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 therefore, we want to, they want to validate every subjective experience objectively. Uh, so there's some sense that we could grab the world in our, the fist of our intellect and, and know it. So we'd like to make the self part of it so we could know ourselves. Also, otherwise, there's some sense the self can never be known. Hmm? One has to, in spiritual life, one has to come to be comfortable with that, hmm? with some uncertainty, some kind of agnosticism, kind of a theistic agnosticism, uh, I, unknown and unknowable. Hmm? One who says he knows Brahman does not know Brahman. One who says he does not know Brahman, he knows Brahman. Hmm? Something, something like that. And that's an adventure. That's exciting. What to speak of the self, then its source. Super, in the language of Pujapatri Yamar, super subjectivity. Hmm? Um, so we, we, we quickly start moving away from this, here as we go, black and white kind of religious or orientation to, uh, to so many shades of, of gray. Uh, but I've said before, love is like that. Love is a surety that's full of uncertainty at the same time. I'm sure about it, but it produces some kind of uncertainty at the same time. She loves me, she loves me not. I'm sure I want this, but 
but sometimes it seems troublesome. Do you want to give it up? No. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so to live the thankful life, this is uh, kind of the, the beginning um, ideas. It's very beautiful. And unlike in Western society where that idea that the self, the self-consciousness in human life differentiated us from nature, which was taken by some in, 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 as, at, to say, interpreted to say, well, nature has no self, therefore nature is ours to do with what we want for our purpose, making us kind of the gods or the children of God who God would be pleased if, if they were pleased, kind of a thing. So the sum and substance of religion in some circles becomes, well, if, I'm, if humans are pleased, then that's a sign that God is pleased. Hmm? We're the most prosperous nation, nation, so God must be shining on us. Hmm? <laughs> Bhagavatam, of course, gives a very different idea when it says that, what is that verse? That, uh, uh, oh, if God really likes somebody, Prabhupada used to quote it about himself. Hmm? If God really likes somebody, he takes everything away from them. Hmm? so that that person becomes completely dependent upon him. I probably used to say, that has happened to me, that happened to me. I tried to make my family life successful in my business, and every step I was thwarted, I, I feel the hand of God was taking everything away, forcing me to come to him, to depend upon him, and uh, emptying himself out then completely. He was filled up with the power of Bhagavan Nityanamakabhu to do his, his uh, Seva Sankirtan in the world, such a broad and expansive uh, campaign. So this is also a yajna. Hmm? We should come to that. This is the full measure then. Yajna vai Vishnu. Vishnu is yajna. The more the yajna, the closer we get to Vishnu. But I was saying that in the East, in Vedanta, where there's also, long before Descartes' uh, kind of reasoning um, was the, the idea that consciousness is primal. Consciousness is, uh, in the beginning there was consciousness, something like that. <laughs> um, and the word requires some consciousness. In the beginning there was consciousness. Uh, that consciousness is, is fundamental and causal and, um, and uh, while material things can be denied as being substantial or sat in truthful, enduring, existing, that they're here today and gone tomorrow, we cannot deny the self because the act of denial itself requires consciousness. So, in a basic, it's a nice argument. Of course, people will try to argue against it. <laughs> it's pretty hard to be very rational. And argue against that when the arguing itself requires that uh, that consciousness. So to try to take consciousness out from its fundamental position is really the height of the abuse of the human experience, in my estimation. Uh, the height of the abuse of intellect. But anyway, my point is that in 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 in, in Indian society, in Vedanta, the way in which this was understood, that human society was different from nature and the less complex forms of life because of self-consciousness, the opportunity of self-consciousness. While they understood the difference, they also reasoned well that, but there's a commonality too. Hmm? I have more in common 
with the animal than not. Yes, there's a difference, and it's a big difference, that I have this self-awareness and I can, I can do things voluntarily, I can, I can give and so forth. Uh, I'm a unit of, I, I have some freedom of choice, it, it, it appears. Hmm? Um, that's a big difference, but there's a lot of similarity also. Hmm? A conscious, sentient being, a sentient being, it feels. Hmm? If you pinch a human and you pinch the animal, it won't feel it as much, but you know, whoever you are on the scale, then there's a perception of pain. That's, that's an aspect of consciousness, right? Like I've said before, we don't say that we believe in a soul. We don't have some other thing that we believe in that's called a soul. We believe that consciousness is supernatural. Some people believe it's natural. But we're not adding something. Everybody, it's not a question of do you believe in consciousness? Well, that's not, you can't really kind of ask that question. That's kind of silly. <laughs> so our, our argument is, the Vedanta argues, well, what is consciousness? That's all. We define it, characterize it, describe it, understand it differently. And we understand it the way the mystics understand it. And we follow a path of mysticism. And we think it's wise that the experiences that they, that they have, whatever they posit about them, hmm, those who have them become better and more whole people. They take a lot less. They're not involved in exploitation. Their needs are, are less. If they have a need, it's to, it's to share what they have. Hmm? A kinder and gentler you know, type of humanity. Hmm? Well, that's very pragmatic. Yeah? We should go, go in the direction of mysticism. And while we may not, or the empiricist may not, want to acknowledge the metaphysical... <coughs> Ideas that are posited by the, by the mystic, let him go there once, once, and taste the ecstasy of the self. Let him melt once. Let that ego melt. This is real spiritual experience. Let that ego melt once, just a, just a little bit. You, if you could create a machine, it would give you that experience for a quarter. And say, see, that's all it is. You put a quarter in the machine and it does this thing to you and you get that experience. That's all it is. If you could do that. Hmm? Once putting the quarter in the machine, everyone would be lined up <laughs> forever. Hmm? Hmm? If you could, you know, there's a God machine up in Canada, I'm told. Hmm? Some guy created the, the God experience machine. And some fellow wrote a book on, uh, on mysticism, a, a re fairly well-researched book, and he went to the God machine and he tried that. And it didn't work. It didn't give him a, you know, supposed to arrange your brain in such a way that you get the so-called God experience. Hmm? But those who had the God experience and in the sense of, of, a, of a real of a melting of the ego, just a, a, a um, unraveling of this, this material self that's this defensive, you know, complex animal <laughs> uh, trying to protect itself and understand itself. It's just a total re relaxing of that and ingress of this loving. Hmm? His name is Yagya. His name is sacrifice. I like to say sacrifice is the, is the womb from which love is born. Hmm? So 
Vishnu is sacrifice. He is love. This is what he, how he speaks. This is how he walks. How he talks. This is what he is. Hmm? What is the complexity of that sacrifice? What what possibilities lie there hmm? in giving as opposed to taking and orientation towards the objective world as if it's the all in all. Hmm? Uh, so so to go to go there. For the self to melt in the context of bhakti, particularly where this is ingress, and, and you, you, you experienced hmm? the mind stopped, the senses stopped, and it was uh, ecstatic. I mean, be, I think the literal light is beyond the senses. It must have been a religious uh, word originally. Hmm? Ex, beyond the static, I want to say, of, of, of the punapunas charvita charvananam, in the language of Pallad, chewing the chewed again and again, materialize the same thing over and over again in a different dress. Something new, and it's you. It's what you are. You are a unit of giving capacity. That, it, that is so profound. Hmm? that you'd be just there putting those quarters in. The whole world would be at that machine. Uh, and it's, it, it's also, a, it's, a, it's a, I don't know, if maybe noetic is the right word. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a noetic bliss. It's a, it, it, it has, there's a knowing in it. Hmm? It's not a, a like an a, 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 a ignorant kind of a bliss. It's a kind of a knowing. Hmm? Uh, and, and a knowing that it can't be then further fully explained when you come back to words and thought and so forth. You, you, but you're pressed to make the effort, nonetheless, to try to communicate this. And, and, but the best way, as I said before, by example, to be a sacrificer, then you convey this idea. So, at any rate, in, in Vedanta, the idea of the self hmm, and the human life, self-awareness, making us different from other forms of life, was there, but the commonality that we have, the fact that consciousness is in different situations of life, they reasoned. And there's a system for getting there when they reasoned it's the human form of life. I have experience, all based on experience. Vedanta is a very experience-based philosophy and theology. If you really look carefully, everything that's posited in the Vedanta is based on experience, everything philosophically. So they experience, well, there are consequences for actions. The self, consciousness finds itself in different situations as a result of how it interacts with matter. I see consciousness in this form. I see sense, sense, sensibility, perception, one aspect of consciousness. There's the perception of pain, for example, or pleasure. And then there's the sense of self. When I find the sense of self, as prominently in other places, but the sense of pain, even the sense of pain or pleasure may not be to the same extent, but still, it's there. So they reason the self is there, and that's a consequence, hmm? um, a particular consequence. Consciousness is in different situations of life as a, as a consequence of actions performed, and so on and so forth. And so anyway, there was more of a, in spite of the fact, understanding the difference between human life and other forms of life, it fostered nonetheless more of a bonding with nature rather than a idea of conquering uh, nature where we've kind of come to um, uh, today and then religion's gone kind of 
out out the window, and we really on the tend to be on the take, trying to change the nature of of uh, nature. Really trying to be what we are. We are the gods. If there's anything in this world that most resembles God, it's us. Hmm? A unit of consciousness, but, but a unit of consciousness means a, a unit of of life with the capacity to give. Hmm? So as much as we do that, then we can realize what the self is. So, so this really basic idea here is very, very beautiful in a sense. And um, you can see how it brought the Hindu religious person very close to nature. And living in a kind of a, what might be thought of a mythical kind of life with gods and goddesses behind everything and so forth. But, but it's very beautiful, actually. The bowing down and all to everything. It's practically everything <laughs> they're bowing down to. It's, it's very beautiful. It's, it's like, oh God, he's bowing down to somebody. How weird in, in, in Western society. You know, we got the, the handshake. Yeah, the same principle. That the bowing down idea is, it's a way of saying, it's not me. It's not about me. And it's a profound way of saying that. It's not about nam, nam, namaste, namaha, not, not me. Hmm? It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. That's very beautiful. Hmm? And and um, and here you have something superior to nature, self, and a self in a superior position to other selves who are in less complex forms of life. But how does that superior person conduct himself, that superior entity? With respect for all life and the less complex forms of life, and and in in, in a sense that that oh that, that I've passed through all of that, hmm? I'm, I'm I'm part of nature. I'm the part of nature where nature realizes it has a soul, hmm? and so we don't immediately that we're not we 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 have a connection with nature at the same time. So it's very very holistic. It promotes a very holistic. Um, idea of the of of our relationship with nature, and in the context of that, fosters in kind of baby steps here, sakam kama, uh, as it's described here, baby steps in the direction of the self and um, self awareness and and God consciousness. It would be hard. I mean, and people do it, but. To move from this religious organ, or orientation to a, I want to say, a non-theistic spiritual orientation, it's so much more natural to move in a supra-theistic direction, in a bhakti direction, than it is in a jnana unto itself direction. When your whole previous orientation is there's gods and goddesses everywhere and so forth. Hmm? So bhakti is 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 then it really uh, it it gives us the opportunity to fully experience this idea of sacrifice because why? Well, in the karma mark there's sacrifice. So there's Vishnu is present there in our life, communicating with us as much as we are a sacrificer. But we're sacrificing four things, hmm? and we're not a thing. So. Hmm? We're not getting too close, too fast to ourself. If we go from there to to Gyan, which is a a, a progression, hmm, then if Gyan unto itself is the kind of realization, well, things are not 
I can't take everything, I can't own everything, I can't control everything. But it's, it fails to acknowledge that there is an owner, that there is a proprietor. I've often said the natural way to move away from taking is to understand who the owner is. A decent person, when he understands it's owned by somebody, will back off from the thought of taking it for themselves. So in Gyan, we have kind of this kind of in-between position here, where I'm not going to take, I'm not going to really give either, and I'm not going to serve. And you have the Om Narayan, the classical Mayavad and Sannyasa, Om Narayan, and everybody's bowing down to him, and he's not bowing down to anybody. In Gaudi Vaishnavism, we find the standard of humility of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. Oh, he speaks so strong, we can hardly have to cover our ears how he, how he speaks about himself, such an ideal person for us, how humbly he, he sees himself. We have the edict of Mahabhu Trinadapi Sunichena, to be more humble than a blade of grass, and so forth. Hmm? Uh, so uh, the Bhakti Mark kind of carries this natural humility and sense of dependence that we find in the Sakam Karma orientation and it takes it to the to the to the fullest. It it, it moves us from things, sacrificing things, to sacrificing ourself and um, subordinating or acknowledging our subordination and serving. Uh, bhakti is only about doing the bidding of Bhagwan. So you have no life unto yourself. You become then uh, an agent of his his life. So this is the this is then and then what, and in that yogya, in the yogya of Nam, hmm? this is the, the primary yogya of, of the yuga, yagnai santitana prayer, yajantihi sumedasa, who is very intelligent, who has fine theistic intelligence, it means, from sukriti, from previous lives, and so we'll come to this Nam Sankirtan, Nam yagya. Hmm? Yeah, so what wealth is there? Therefore, Nam is described, Nam Chintamani. Hmm? Here, this is about wealth, right? It's about getting things and then having some gratitude for it and, and so forth, and the bounty of life and so forth. But what wealth we can get from Nam is the, the idea is presented in the very characterization of Nam as Chintamani. Now, Chintamani means the philosopher's stone, that it's, it, 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 it doesn't really exist, they say, right? You take uh, this stone and if you touch it to iron, it turns iron into gold. Valuable stone. Um, this is the idea of Vrindavan. The comma, the, the land is 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 Chintamani. The cows are Kamadenu. What is it? Shri Akanta Kanta Parama Purusha Kalpatarbu Duma Bumis Chintamani Ganamayito Yamamitam Kataganam Natam Kamanam this is Golok, hmm? Brahma says. Where the walking is dancing, the talking is singing. Jiva Goswami says, what must be the dancing then? What must be the singing there? Hmm? The cows are these cows of plenty and the land is Chintamani. So anything you want, you can get there. But the wealth is that nobody wants anything. They want only love of Krishna. You hear about it and think, yes, I want to go there. I can get everything there. It's described that way. The point of it is what, is what 
that what is the wealth in not wanting anything? Hmm? What is the wealth of such people who want nothing in the context of praying? What have they got? In the context of serving, people serve for something, right, to get something. For, for, and if, and if, you, if you don't need anything, then self-sufficient, don't do anything. That is the Gyan mark. But they're doing something, the Bhaktas. They don't need anything. Self doesn't need anything. They're self-realized. Still, they're doing something. So, this is taking the sacrifice to the, to the full. You be, then you find you are on the altar entirely. So, happy Thanksgiving. Any question? What's the time? Okay. And we'll stop there. Sriman Bhagavad Gita, we die.